What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to the scorecard, the boxing scorecard, where I ask people to bring their scorecard and their opinion, not just simply, I mean, <laughs> bring their scorecard and an explanation, not just simply your opinion. I'm your host, Cedric Ben. I'm here every Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Canadian Eastern Time. If you can't catch it live, catch it on any podcast platform that you could uh, that you can possibly have. Talk and Fight. On YouTube, it's Talk and Fight, the number one boxing podcast channel on YouTube. All right, let's get right into it. So last night we had um, the 140-pound debut of Mr. Teofimo Lopez. Um, this fight was a W for the WBO International Superlight belt, which was vacant, and another vacant belt, which was the North American Boxing Federation Super Lightweight belt. So let us start with the challenger first. The challenger, Mr. Pedro Campa. His full name is Pedro Antonio Campa Medina. He is from Mexico. Uh, had a record, has a record of 34 wins with only two losses and 23 knockouts. Um, he's a, he has a very good record. Um, however, it's against C-level competition. Um, so that's that's where you, things kind of get tricked into it. My man Zev is already in the comments. What you got, Zev? Tio is elite. Anyone saying he's not is simply hating. Superb performance against a solid opponent, regardless of what the haters say. Nice comeback fight for Lopez. Campa was slow, but had a but had a beard. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll get into those details in one second. Um, basically, yeah, I agree with you, what you're saying, man. You know, when when someone moves up, actually, let me let me get through the the intro first, and then we'll we'll get to the to the breakdown. So I was saying, Campa. Pedro Campa has a very good record, but it's against C-level competition, so it's kind of, kind of, kind of a little bit off. Um, Mr. Teofimo Lopez, however, let's get to him. To, I already know who he is, but just to get his details, his exact details, he is um, still, you know, for as much as he's accomplished, he's still young as far as number of fights. He's seventeen and one loss, seventeen wins, one loss, with thirteen knockouts. Um, his nickname is the Takeover, <laughs> and his biggest wins. Teofimo Lopez's biggest wins. Um, his biggest win of his whole boxing life was against uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, at the time, nobody thought nobody thought Lomachenko was was uh, was beatable, and Teofimo. And see, that's the thing about that win. When Teofimo beat Lomachenko a couple of years ago. You know, it, it it was right for his nickname to be the takeover because you know this was during the this was during like the the when COVID was at its height and everything was still shut down and boxing only you know there was only a few boxing matches going on with no crowds in it and it it it, it seemed shout out to my boy Lukey from uh, in the ring in the ropes boxing he he brought this point up that uh, it seemed like Lopez was the beginning of this new generation of boxers to 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 literally take over. So that's why that nickname was was perfect for him because uh, when he beat Lomachenko, when nobody thought Lomachenko was was beatable, that was supposed to be like the beginning of the new generation. And I think what happened, he kind of got in his own head and kind of thought that he was bigger than he really was, and it kind of caught up to him in the, in the George Cambosis fight that he lost. Uh, oh shoot, we got a lot more comments. Zev, what you got to say? Lopez versus Garcia would be quite an exciting fight. Um, where you never know which fighter will land the first or last telling blow to the end. You mean uh, Teofimo Lopez and Ryan Garcia, I'm assuming you mean? 
Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Um, shoot, man. That financially, that would be big. Financial would be big. The press, the press conference would be big because you know both those guys are big talkers. Uh, so yeah, that that would be some. My man David Chase. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, to put things in in perspective, Lopez looked elite against a guy who the NSAC determined in April 21 wasn't a credible enough opponent for Jose Zapata to fight. Mm, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, is it because, I don't know the details behind that, but is, is it because what I said before, even though Campa has a very good record, it's against C-level competition. But that's interesting that they, would, uh, they wouldn't let him fight Zapata, but they let him fight uh, Teofimo Lopez. Maybe, I don't know. Again, this was Teofimo Lopez's first fight at the higher division. You know, when when you're when you're when you're moving up in weight classes, you know, you don't normally, unless it's a super big mega fight, you don't normally go up and fight. You know, the top guy in that weight class right away. You you usually have a a, a step up fight. So, you know, I thought this was a good step up fight for Lopez, acclimating himself to the new to the new weight class. Uh, David Chase, what else you got? Campa had a draw against Admir, against Abner Lopez and was TKO'd in the seventh by a guy who was 11-8-1. Yes, yes, yes. I did question that because um, when I was doing my research on both fighters this week, I was looking at Campa, some of Campa's old fights. Specifically, when a guy has a good record with only one or two losses, I actually specifically go look at those fights that they did lose just to see if I could see anything. And um, it looked like he just got caught. Like he didn't he didn't change his he hasn't changed his fighting style or anything like that. Talking speaking about Campa from his loss until now. That loss was back in 2017. And since then he's had like, you know, he's on like a seven, he was was on a seven fight winning streak and um and had like four KOs amongst that too. Um so again, it, it's hard to judge. It's it's hard to judge um when these guys don't fight top level competition, but they have good records. You gotta kinda got to kind of read between the lines, as you say, to, to dig deeper to see how, how good they really are. Uh, what else you got, David? That was a good adjustment by Tio to start coming under campus punches and moving and moving using more boxing skills instead of plodding around all night getting tagged like he was early. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't give my breakdown for, for each round, but I will in a second. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. He, he, he should have boxed. When he was boxing, he was doing good. When he was like, trying to um for a lack of a better term just you know show his pride by just standing there and go doing toe-to-toe with him it wasn't doing too well for 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 uh for tiofimo um chris peters good morning good morning what you got to say tio won almost every round and finished the fight with via t- via ko he did what he was supposed to do yeah yeah he you know um especially tiofimo said he wanted to make a statement at 140 pounds in his new weight class to show people that he's a he's a serious player and uh with the knockout i guess you can say he he got that accomplished what else you got chris teal has the tools and talent to be com- competitive against tank josh may be too large for him um josh may be too large for him though both would be entertaining too many people are writing josh taylor off after one mediocre performance yes exactly i agree with that chris peters um uh, he did have a, a, a um, not the best performance against Jack Catterall. Scored that fight. We'll go over that fight. Uh, I think he's gonna have a rematch with him too. But anyway, um, yeah, Josh Taylor. He had one one mediocre performance against a good competitor, 
and and it seems like people are writing him off or looking overlooking him when it comes to that 140 pound division. But Josh Taylor is a serious competitor. Um, you know, what I'm saying like he's he's the best at 140. You could definitely have an argument for him. He was undefeated, uh, undefeated and undisputed, which means he had all the belts. So it's not it's not disputable that he was the top guy. That he is the top guy at 140 still. Uh, Chris, what else you got? Chris Peters, Zev. Lopez is actually tailor-made for Ryan Garcia, in my opinion, especially at 140 pounds, would be very exciting fight. Um, tailor-made for Ryan Garcia. What do I think about that? What do I think about that? Tailor-made for Ryan Garcia? No, 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 no. Because, no, I think that would be an even match. I think, uh, 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 I think... What up, Ray? What up, Ray? Ray Adai um, Campa was there to be hit. He was there to be hit. Um, you know what? Let me go through my scorecard. He wasn't a good yardstick to judge Tio. But again, like I said, Ray, when 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 someone is moving up in weight classes, usually when someone moves up in weight classes, you don't just jump up unless it's a super big mega fight. You don't just jump up and fight the top guy right away. Usually, when you move up in weight classes, you fight a. a um, for lack of a better term, a C level, C or B level competition, just to just to see how you feel against those bigger punches and the bigger guys, and um and then and then you move up from there. So, uh, uh, um, I don't I wouldn't just necessarily necessarily say that Campa was there to be hit like they just threw him threw him to the wolves. Yes, he was. Uh, Campa was definitely the underdog, but um as they say, I, th- I, I say he was a live a live underdog, a live dog, as they say. Uh, what else you got, Ray? Teal can fight. Not sure how hard he hits at 140. He hit the guy clean, but Campa kept walking forward. I have Campa one round. I'll get into my scorecard in a second. Impressive performance, nonetheless, by Lopez. Yeah, man, he 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 did what he said he was going to do. Stop them in the eighth round. All right, I got through the quick comments. Let me go through my scorecard now. Um, and if you don't know, the results was uh, an eighth round stoppage for Mr. Lopez. An eighth round stoppage for Mr. Lopez as we get the highlights up. Now, um, first round, Campa, I'll go through my exact notes that I wrote, you know, so you only get 60 seconds between rounds. So I just scribble something real quick and then uh, break it down on the show here. So round one, Campa landed a clean right hand halfway through, but Lopez was more in control. Um, so obviously I gave Lopez that four, that one round, that first round, but Campa was, did land one or two good punches in that first round. Second round I also gave to Lopez. Um, Lopez is winning, but Campa is hard coming forward with no hesitation. Um, I believe Campa thought, Campa believed that he was he was the, the bigger person, especially being, Campa was used to fighting at, at 140 pounds. Um, and so I'm assuming Campa felt like this guy's a small guy. I'm just going to impose my my size on him and come forward. Uh, round three, Lopez is winning, but Campa is landing clean. Lopez doesn't counter. He just goes from offense to defense, but the defense isn't tight. Yes. Um, you know, no, I, say, I repeat myself all the time. Most boxers, I guess, you know, Floyd's the best, one of the best of all time. So it's 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 normal that that most boxers would imitate his fighting style. Specifically, when it comes to dropping this lead hand and using your shoulder as as a defensive move, the problem with that, you know, obviously Floyd's the best at it because he can he can switch from offense to defense 
in, in, in the same motion, like countering right away. The problem for guys, uh, um, just off the top of my head, guys like Adrian Broner and, and just Tiafimo Lopez last night, they, they, they can't make that transition from offense to defense faster. They just if, if if you're throwing at them, they'll just stay on the defensive mode. Like they're not looking to counter. They're, they're just staying there blocking. And if they're on offense, they're not thinking about their defense. They're just throwing punches, and they do get countered a lot. Um, and so that that was my notes for the third round. Lopez is was winning the fight, but Campbell was landing some shots, man. Because Lopez again trying to try, with that lead hand down, he was getting kit. He was getting hit with some clean shots. Um, yeah, again, it was some clean shots. Round four, round four and five, four, five, six, I marked as close rounds. And I gave four and five to Mr. Campa, to be honest with you. Uh, round four, I wrote my notes for round four was Lopez punches are not affecting Campa. Ice on his eyes between rounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Campa was coming forward hard. Campa was coming forward hard. Lopez was landing punches. And maybe has something to do with, with him moving up in weight classes. But his punches did not look to be as effective on Kampa. Uh, meanwhile, the other way around, that's why I made the note about the ice in between rounds. They had a whole bag of ice on Teofimo's face in between, like, the third and fourth round. Not just a small one. Like, you know, sometimes they get a small bag just on a little bump. They had a whole bag of ice, like, on the whole side of his face um, after, the, like, the third or fourth round. So it goes to show you, even even though Campa, uh, um, as Ray said, he's there to be hit, but he can hit himself too. And you saw the effectiveness of those punches. So I gave round four to Campa. Round five, which I also marked as a close round, I gave to Campa. I wrote um, Lopez is just going from rope to rope as a boxer. One thing I teach the boxers, when you're moving around, you know, there's a difference between running and moving. When you're moving, boxing, you're, you're throwing punches and moving, you you don't just want to go from one rope to the next rope as you're moving. You want to go if you if you end up at the ropes, do a few moves. You can end up at the other rope, but after that, get back to the center of the ring. Get back to the center of the ring. That way, you have more room to to move and do whatever you want. You can back up. You can step to your right, step to your left, come forward, move on an angle. If, when you're in the center of the ring, you can do whatever you want. But when you're against the ropes, it's easier for your opponent to cut you off and just keep you there with, with throwing punches. And that's what was, L- Lopez was doing a couple of times. He was just going from rope to rope, not getting back to the center. And, and Campa was able to land some punches, even though, like I said, I the close some of the close rounds, round five, I gave to Campa because it was a close round. Um, round six, round six, I also marked it as a close round, but I gave that round to Campa. That's Campa on my left, on my right there. Um Round six, I marked it as a close round, but I gave it to Lopez. My my uh, my notes for round six was ice on the whole side of his face. Lopez barely winning these rounds. Yeah, man, I marked it. This you see, this the nice right hand by Lopez right there. He was landing those, but after landing like that, like you would think that shot that you see right there was a big shot. He landed that, and Campa Campa still was coming forward. Um, Campa was still was was coming forward. So that, that was that was kind of making me question Teofimo's power at 140, even though at the time we ended up stopping him. But at the time when when this fight was happening and Lopez was landing some of those punches, I was saying to myself, it doesn't really look like Campa is 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 being affected that much by these punches. So, you know, how how's Lopez going to do at 140? 
But as the fight went on, Lopez's fun punches were a little bit more effective. Round seven was a knockdown, 10-8 round for uh, for Mr. Lopez. As you see, that little big uppercut landed right there. I didn't write any notes for round seven. Round eight uh, is when the stoppage came, and uh, the referee came in and saved Campa in that eighth round. Oh, and I missed some comments here. Let me go back. Let me go back. Um, Zev, my man Zev, um, is the winner of Regis Progre versus Jose Zapata one of those bigger fights for Josh Taylor? If I remember correctly, the Tart Tomato, <laughs> the Tart Tomato has been ducking Regis Progress for about four years. Um, wait a sec, who who? Who do, you, who do you say is ducking Regis Progress? Are you talking about Zapata? Because Josh Taylor already beat Regis Progress a couple of years ago. It was a very close fight. I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch because it was a close fight. Taylor won the fight, but it wasn't, you know, um, I didn't. I don't remember scoring it, but I don't think off the top of my head that it was like just clear unanimous. Um, it, was a, it was a close fight. It was a close fight. So, uh, uh, Zev, who are you talking about? Maybe you said it in, in your other notes here. Um and, and he just recently ducked Jose Zapata by vacating the WBC junior welterweight title. If you ask me, Josh Taylor is avoiding back-to-back -back L's against multiple opponents. Interesting observations, Zev. Interesting observation. I didn't know that he dropped his WCV, WBC junior welterweight belt. Uh, usually when guys drop belts, it's usually one of, the, one of the lower belts that nobody really cares about, like one of the alphabet belts that nobody really cares about. Uh, the WBC, that's one of the main major belts that everyone is trying to get. So that's that's very strange that Josh Taylor would 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 vacate that. Um, so I, I wonder what is the story behind that. Zev, what else you got? Um, getting a gift in the first fight versus Catterall helps Taylor's image if he takes an official L on the second try. Hmm. Well, okay, in in Josh Taylor's defense, I have heard him say in uh in interviews that he wants the Catterall rematch okay so we'll give him credit for that i i i have um please correct me if i'm wrong i can't say i i can't say off the top of my head like in this interview on that date this is exactly what he said but i'm i'm pretty confident that i've, I've heard him say um that he does want to have that rematch with with Catterall. and going back in history you know there's only certain boxers that the highest level boxers that have that confidence to take a rematch against someone that they already beat but but the 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 crowd is saying that they that you know might be thinking otherwise you guys give me a few examples in the chat but off the top of my head i'm thinking um years ago when floyd fought jose luis castillo um when they first fought and it was, it was like early 2000s that first fight was a, a, they said, a controversial split decision. Floyd won. Um, a lot of people thought he lost. And Floyd was like, oh, yeah, you guys think I lost? All right, let's let's run it back. And he won unanimous. Unanimous. Both guys still in their prime. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit off topic. When Floyd, when people try to discredit Floyd's career, that's one of the, you know, they, they kind of, they stay quiet about those, those type of fights because that will kind of F up the argument. Castillo was one of the best fighters at uh, at lightweight at that time. Um, anyways, back back to the back to the topic at hand. Um, so Josh Taylor, Josh Taylor, I think he's still a big player at 140 pounds, and um, 
he's waiting for the for the winner of, of Progress and Zapata. Hopefully, he, he takes that rematch with, with Josh Catterall. Um, the other example I was talking about was Andre Ward and and uh, and the crusher Sergey Kovalev. And just to remind people, because that's another fight that people try to discredit Andre Ward for. When when Andre when Andre Ward fight Kovalev, fought Kovalev, he he wasn't Sergey Kovalev wasn't known as Sergey Kovalev. He's known as the Crusher. Remember, he had the Crusher on his shorts, big big letters in capital letters, Crusher across his shorts. That's who Andre Ward had a draw. He had a controversial win the first time. And he was like, oh, yeah, you guys think I lost? All right, let's run it back and knock them out the second fight. That's that's a true fighter right there. Uh, all right, back to the comments. My man Nick Leishman, good morning, good morning. If Shakur wins, if Haney wins, why not let why not let that fight happen while Loma gets back into the game? It's a tune-up with a tune-up. I find Haney versus Stevenson just as appealing as Tank versus Garcia. Yeah, man. All them guys, man. Boxing is is on fire right now with, with all these weight classes. You know, a long time people used to say that the only exciting weights weight classes in boxing was like the welterweights and the heavyweights. But now it's it's all of them, man. It's it's all of them. It's all the uh, all of them. Like there's there's almost every weight class is like six seven boxers deep. Like you said, at one thirty five. At 126, the lower weight class is a little bit lighter. Uh, you know, Shakur Stevenson is the king of the, of the light, of the light guys, I would say. But from all those guys, from Loma to um, from Loma to all those guys, Ryan Garcia. No, he just moved up to 140. Um, but Haney, Haney might be moving up to 142. You know what? That's the other thing. Stevenson, Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson is the only one that probably was is going to stay at the, in them low weight classes. But all these other guys from Haney to um, to, to, to Stevenson, to Garcia is already at 140. They're all, you know, because they all these guys started their careers in their early 20s. So now that they're getting to be like 25, 26, 27, um, you know, they uh, just naturally you you get to, you get you're going to grow. So you're going into that new weight class. We got some more comments coming in. My man, Sports Culture Gaming. What up? What up? What up, Cedric? My cousin who is in his late 30s said the top light lightweights and welterweights from the late 90s early 2000s would beat today's fighters he mentioned guys like floyd oscar mosley pop trinidad and Cotto. yeah 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 you see that's a um that's a topic for that's a whole another show man what else you got he also said they fought each other is tired of social media games playing fighters are playing games yeah 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 um real quick I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. Atisan. I am new to boxing. Sorry. What is lower weight class and what's heavy? Well, there's there's about um just to answer that question real quick. There's about 10 or 11 weight classes. The lowest weight class, I believe, is like 108 pounds. Someone could correct me on that. 108 pounds, and it goes all the way up to heavyweight. Uh, and usually every 10 pounds, I'm not gonna go through every single number, but usually every 10 pounds, there's a new weight class um so that's how you could uh that's how you could uh, and i try i don't i don't even remember i don't memorize all the names like you know lightweight welterweight i, I know those ones like welterweight's 147 junior welterweight's 140 lightweight is like 130 135 um so sometimes those i get kind of confused with the names though i just know the number sometimes i just try to say the, the, the number of pounds of the person so a to sean don't worry try to 
do your best to follow as best as you can. Thank you very much for tuning in. I will do my best to to educate you as we as we go along and say the number. Um, but sports gaming culture. Going back to what you said, man, that's that's a whole different topic for another day, man. The only thing I can say, there's there's certain fighters that would have that would have lasted in any generation. I believe Floyd would have lasted in 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 that. Um, Oh, you mentioned Floyd here anyway. Um, and Floyd does come from the early 2000s too. But as far as as far as far um, the late 90s guys, I guess well, Floyd was more from this generation. Not, you know, he he turned pro in 98. So he was kind of like the last part of the, of that crew from uh, like when Floyd first turned pro, De La Hoya and Trinidad and Moley and them guys, and they were already well-established. I would consider like Floyd and Miguel Cotto those guys are more from this generation that just finished, like from 2000 to like now. Um, De La Hoya and, and 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 Trinidad and them Mosley, those guys, those guys were in the early or late 90s, I should say. So it's very fun. One of the, one of these times, if you guys suggested enough, I will make a show comparing the generations and who I think would win. So, but you guys have to suggest it in the chats. All right, all right. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Like, oh, thank you very, thank you very much for, for, um, for, for making, uh, in the chat here, just talking about some of the weight classes. Lightweight is 135 pounds, 61 kilograms. You know, in amateur boxing, when they usually go by kilograms too, not pounds. So that also confuses me sometimes. Um, sports gaming culture. I said Twitter and Instagram didn't exist back then, different times. Um, yeah. And what I say is nowadays, if you're on social media, um, speaking of Twitter and Instagram, if you're a fighter, like back in the day, you know, boxers or fighters in general can, can't, could complain that their promoter wasn't doing anything, doing anything to help promote them or anything like that. Nowadays, that, that excuse can't, well, I mean, you can still use that excuse as far as the larger scale of promotion, but if you're a professional at anything that you do, I mean, this, this is even broader than sports, you should be on social media promoting your business. Specifically when it comes to boxing, you are the business yourself. You're selling yourself to people. You're trying to get people, you're trying to convince people why they should pay money and tune in and spend their Saturday night instead of hanging out with their friends, hanging out with their friends and watching you fight, especially if it's on pay-per-view. So it's your job as the fighter to use social media to your advantage um so yeah in the back in the day guys didn't have social media so they didn't have social media so they had to rely on the newspaper and 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 the tv to you know put them on a, a little five minute commercial so that they can get their face known to the public nowadays you do that you can post a hundred times a day if you want to like you there's there's no again for the larger scale like as far as television and stuff like that, you can you can ask your promoters to do more about that. But when it comes to just everyday, just general promoting yourself, you should be on social media all the time if you're a professional fighter to promote yourself. That's what I think about that. Um, more, of the, more of the weight classes. Lightweight, light heavyweight is 175 pounds, 75 kilograms. Cruiser weight is 200 pounds, 91 kg. And heavyweight is unlimited. The minimum weight is 105 pounds, 48 kilograms. I'm pretty sure they call that straw weight. I'm pretty sure it's called straw weight. Light flyweight is 108 pounds, which is 49 kilograms. 
um, sports gaming culture other 3B? If so, why? Well, what do you mean? It confused me with that question. Are there three B? Are there three? Oh, there are there three belts in each division. Um, three main belts. There are three main belts. Uh, they get they get you know the WBO, WBC, and WBA. I believe are the main belts. Um, why so? It, it's just those those are the ones I believe have been around. Those are the ones that have been around for a long time. Because at the end of the day, anybody can put their money together and start a belt. That's why that's why there's that um, that that nickname that they call alphabet belts. Like me and you could put our money together and come up, you know, just use our initials for our names and come up with a belt and just call that a belt. The reason why why boxers really go for the WBC, WBA, and WBO is because those have been around for a long time, and all all the greatest fighters of all time have had have worn those belts a lot of time if you if you look closely at the belts not on all of them but on some of them it'll have the picture of the old the old hall of fame boxers that were on there i mean sorry that 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 also won that belt so it's just like a, a um you know a prestige thing to say yes i'm i'm one of the greats that that was able to to win the strap and hold it um you know going from Muhammad Ali to to all the greats of all time, though Muhammad Ali and all the greats of all time they they had like the major belts WBC WBA WBO, that's why boxers today really value those those belts. Um, my man, A to Sean, you got a couple of comments. Thanks for answering over ninety one. Wow, sorry from from European. You don't have to be sorry, man. This is a, a platform here where I try to educate people. So ask all the questions. Is he streaming on a second platform? I am not sure about all that, but if you have any specific boxing questions, I am more than glad to answer that for you. Uh, what other notes did I have? What other notes did I have? Um, no specific notes as I got the highlights of the fight on my laptop here. Um, yeah, man. So what is next? What is next for Lopez? Um, my my only concern, not my only concern, one of my main concerns for Lopez is that, of course, as a fighter, you wanna you want to um, be confident in your ability to perform at the highest level. You also want to be realistic <laughs> about um, about your predictions about yourself. What concerned me about Teofimo's last loss? When he when he when he lost to George Camposis, you know, a lot of excuses coming up, especially because he was talking a lot of trash about other fighters making up excuses after they lose, and after he lost, he after he lost, he had a whole catalog of excuses, talking about that that this was a setup, this he, like the fight was in his hometown, and they, and he's ta- he's trying to say that it was a setup, top rank set him up for this and da da da, so that kind of concerns me and try and and kind of tells me that, um he is not taking full responsibility for his loss. He's trying to point to the reason why I lost. It wasn't because of me. It's because this happened and this happened and, and this person did this and, and that over there, that, that, that kind of concerns me because that tells me that you're not taking responsibility for your loss. And if you're not taking res- responsibility for your loss, then you're not really doing anything to, to, um, to, to, to write that wrong for lack of a better term. Um, 
So he did win last night. He did win last night, but uh, there was still some unanswered questions because, like I said in my breakdown, even in, even in the, the 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 rounds that I had him winning, some of those were close rounds, and he was getting tapped up a little bit. You know, after that fourth round, like I said, he had a whole bag of ice on the side of his face. This is only after the third or fourth round. So, if you're going to be messing with the top guys, the top guys at uh, at 140, Mr. Lopez, you need to tighten up that defense. Very good boxer, very good skills. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just need to tighten up that defense. Just need to tighten up that defense before I like. I would give him. You know, after, when, he, when, he, when he did his interview after the fight, of course, like most of the boxers, he called out all the top guys. But I, I think I think he should have one or two more fights against, like, B-level competition at 140 to really establish himself at that new weight with his power and make sure his skills. The skills were there. You got to make sure the power is there. Um, you know, we saw last week. Was it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. My man Danny Garcia made his his uh, his debut at 154 pounds against uh, Jose Benavidez, and even though Danny Garcia won clearly with his skills, the power did not look like it was there. And one of the things when you're moving up in weight classes, there's two main things that you have to have, either one or the other, when you're moving up in weight classes. You either you either have to have exceptional power because you're fighting bigger guys and you got to keep those bigger guys off of you and the same effectiveness that your punches had against the lower weight guys, the lower weight guys might not have the same effect on the higher weight, on the higher weight class guys. So you either have to have exceptional power or if you don't have power, you have to have exceptional skills, not just average skills. You need above and beyond exceptional skills if you don't have the power to keep those bigger guys off you in those in those bigger weight classes. That's why, um, you know, just going back to Floyd uh, in the later in the later part of his career, when he was fighting like two weight classes above his natural weight, a lot of people would complain that his fights were boring because he wasn't knocking anybody out, but he was just simply outskilling them um, to the point where his, his skill was so much superior than his opponents that for some people to watch, they call it boring. Right, even though he's fighting some fighting good guys. So, anyways, my whole point of bringing that up is for Mr. Lopez. If you're going to be successful at the 140 pound division, your skills are there. Um, offensive skills are there, I should say, because those punches, the punch, some of the punches that he was landing on Campa, like he was landing like uppercuts, like lead left uppercuts from different angles. Those are that when you can land lead, you know, multiple lead left uppercuts from an orthodox stance, that shows that your offense is, is exceptional. However, the defense kind of suspect. Kind of suspect. Um not suspect to the point. Well, no, no, no. It is suspect. Cause even in his last fight against George Cambosis, he was leaking bad. He got dropped in the first round. He was leaking bad. Um and that was 100 and that was at 135 pounds so so mr lopez you're gonna do some at these higher weight classes you got to tighten up that d homie uh what you got to say at am i pronouncing your name right attition the weight classes are just a few pounds tiered this is such a big difference i don't understand this <laughs> um don't worry man don't try to understand it. it that's just the way it is man um 
I'm not sure what the word tiered means, but if you're saying like they're not evenly distributed, like in the, I know in the lower weight classes, it's only maybe around seven or eight pounds difference before you switch to the weight classes and the higher weight classes you go, the higher you weight classes you go, it's more like 10 pounds. Um, so I, I don't know the exact reason behind this. These, these weight classes have been around since the early 1900s, I'm assuming. Eric, do me a favor, please. Can you just research when boxing has been around for hundreds of years, but when did they actually start coming up with like specific weight classes? My first guess is in the early 1900s when they actually started like writing down records of people and stuff like that. Um, that's, that's my, that's my, that's my guess right there is early 1900s. Um, or somebody in the chat do that research real quick. When, when did they start, when did boxing start using weight, weight classes <clears throat> from, from a man Antishin? Uh, if this is your first time here, thank you very much for coming here and I hope you come back and I hope you keep making comments. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Um, Xander Zayas. Xander Zayas is a going, going to be a problem. He was the undercard. He was in the undercard to Lopez last night as I pull up his highlights here. Um, yeah, he looked very good too. Zan Let me turn the volume off. Xander Zayas is, is, is going to be that next one up, I believe. I don't know what weight class he is though. Somebody tell me what weight class he is. Xander Zayas. Um, he has a combination of very good boxing skills and very good defense too. Random head move. The two the two times that he dropped his opponent last night, he did it with defense first, like by making his opponent miss and then countering with some hard. So yeah, Xander Zayas. Xander Zayas. He just came to my head because his his highlights are popping up now. Um, but yeah, man, that. Um, any more questions or comments about last night's actions? Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, you did your research, Atishin. Early in the in the 19th century, there were no standard weight classes. In 1823, the Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue said the limit for a, a lightweight was 12 stone. Yeah, over in the UK, they go by stone. 12 stone, which is 168 pounds, 76.2 kilograms. While sportsmen's slang the same year gave 11 stone, which is 154 pounds, 69.9 kilograms, as the limit. Thank you very much, Atishin, for doing that research. I really appreciate that. XD middle-aged measuring in stone. Oh, middle-aged measuring, that's how they me me measured in stone? I got to learn that. I know, I know pounds and kilograms. I don't know stone. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um yeah thank you very much for doing that research really appreciate that is there any more questions or comments about lopez or campa or about the 140 pound weight class division for the future no 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 all right all right all right give a quick roll call i gotta say thank you to everyone that uh that participated in the chat shout out to my man zev shout out to my man david chase Shout out to my man. Who else we got? Sports gaming culture. Shout out to my man Nick Leishman. Shout out to uh, Atishin who did some research for me today. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, talk and fight the number one boxing 
boxing channel on youtube if you can't catch it live you could catch us on any podcast platform we have multiple shows with multiple topics you know a lot of a lot of boxing channels they you know they just talk about have the same hosts and the same topics every day the same clickbait topics the one thing about talk and fight we have different hosts and different topics every day there's so many varieties of variety of 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 boxing topics that you can get get to from old school boxing to new school boxing to um to to up and coming prospects and you'll only get that at the talking fight youtube channel and if you can't catch it live any podcast that you can find my specific show the scorecard the boxing scorecard where i ask you to bring your scorecard and your explanation not just simply your opinion is every sunday 9 30 a.m canada eastern times uh so yeah hit me up on any social media at cedric sports twitter instagram facebook all that um if you haven't done yet please like this video and share it oh we got another comment at the shin there is no boxing league but there is a boxing rank list um sorry i'm very new yeah <laughs> yes there's no there's no boxing league like the nba or nfl or in baseball um but there's there are uh, um promotional companies like just uh just quickly like i can i can own a company and and pay for boxers to fight for me like i'll, I'll find fights for them and i get a certain percentage of, of of the fight obviously and i'm trying to link up with other promoters that have that also have fighters under them that are trying to match up fights for their fighters so as a promoter i speak to another promoter and we try to match our guys together and that's how you know just to just to give you a brief way of how that works that's how that works so yeah there's no actual league and i don't know how that works you know because and again this is a whole other topic for another day but you know to to, to think of something like the ufc I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, financially that model would work. The reason why boxers, the reason why boxers still get paid ten times more than MMA guys is because of the way that that the the business works right now. You know, the, the UFC. Oh wow, that sounds out of the box. Yeah, it is because the, the UFC is basically a monopoly. One person owns it, or you know, there, there's no higher level. Like you can't. You can't leave the UFC and and go fight for another MMA company and make just as much money. That's that's the problem. Um, and so that's why the owner for the UFC, that's why they can afford to pay these guys peanuts, like the change that falls out of your pocket. That's how much they pay these guys because there's nowhere else for them to go. They have no option. Like a UFC guy, there's just a random UFC guy on the roster. Like if you're one of the high champions like McGregor or, or John Jones, you could you can negotiate your contract but for 99% rest of them maybe not 99% I would say a good 90% of the rest of the UFC roster they don't have the option to walk into the promoter's office and say listen you know I, I believe I deserve more money let's 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 talk about this and see how we how we can make this work UFC fighters don't have that option they don't have that option that's why they know you know they just Dana White just tells them to shut up this is all you're getting paid and there's nothing you can do about it if you think there's something you can do about it, uh, you're gonna fire. I'm gonna fire you, and you can go work for Bellator and make even less money. So, <laughs> just to give you a little brief business description on how um, the fight game works. Yes, and now the unfortunate part about that, you represent a company, and two companies fight, and you are the fighter. 
no, you can't be, uh, um, you represent a company and two companies fight and you're the fighter and you're the fighter. No, you can't like, there's some boxes now that do have their own promotional company, but you can't, uh, well, not that I know of. It's kind of hard to, to negotiate other people's contracts when you're still in the middle of not negotiating your own contracts for your career too. So usually like when you hear boxers say that they got their own promotional company, like, you know, David Haney, David, Devin Haney has his own promotional company, but I, I, I highly doubt that he's doing the everyday phone calls and breaking down, you know, talking to other promoters and, and talking to finances and stuff like that. Maybe he is, but I, I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a tough task to do when, like I said, when you're still in the middle of your career and, and, um, and negotiating your your own contracts and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I didn't confuse confuse you too much about the business part of uh, of fighting. But there you have it. Thank you very much for your questions and comments and participation in the chats, everyone. Once again, I am your host Cedric Ben at Cedric Sports at Cedric Sports C E D R I C Sports on any social media. All right. Thank you very much. And I will see you guys next week. Peace.